So in terms of the, the website, so if you're putting content on there and you're optimizing it for Google, organically, you've got to be looking at six months to a year that those keywords are going to start appearing higher and higher. And that's only if you're putting out content on a consistent basis. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey, it's Sarah Larby. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? And today's guest is Paul Cupcut, who is my branding and marketing manager. He's been with me for, I would say, at least five years now. Um, and he's literally helped me build a brand, build my marketing. And so we have lots of conversations about that and how you can do it um, and how you can build your brand and your marketing. And uh, he's definitely a wealth of knowledge. Other than that, um, let's hear from Dahlia Barsoom from Streetwise Mortgages on this week's financing tip. Dahlia, over to you. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. As mortgage qualifications have tightened for residential properties between one and four units due to the rising interest rates, you may find it harder to switch lenders for better terms at renewals or qualify for the full mortgage amount on a purchase or a refinance. You may also find that you have to switch from an A lender to a B lender or from a B lender to a private mortgage at higher costs to get your deals done. Under the regular residential mortgage qualifications, the lenders typically look at your personal income, any rental income you earn, along with any debts that are on your balance sheet. They look at these things to approve the file, and basically, if the numbers do not fit within their guidelines of gross debts and total debt coverage, they will typically cut down the loan amount or decline the deal altogether. I am about to share with you today some new programs that are available to you on the street to overcome the approval hurdles. As the lenders under these programs are able to go above their typical guidelines of gross debts and total debt coverage to approve the deals. So let's take a quick dive into these programs and I would love to highlight for you the things that matter that can help you. The first program is called the Net Worth and Wealth-Based Program. Under that program, lenders would take into consideration any non-real estate assets that you own, including registered, non-registered investments, and of course, cash. Some lenders will lend dollar for dollar against this net worth above and beyond what you would qualify for under the typical guidelines. And some lenders would take a percentage of that net worth and add it back to your income to help qualify the deal. The second set of programs are called the extended ratios programs. Very technical term here. Under these programs, the lenders would basically approve your file if the ratios are high, but up to a certain limit. And for doing that, they will add what's called a rate premium to the interest rate. So essentially, you're going to get your deal approved, but you're going to pay a little more from an interest rate standpoint. The third program is for self-employed clients. So if you are self-employed, some, some banks right now are offering programs that allow adding a percentage of your corporate 
net income after taxes or professional income from the corporation to your personal income to help you qualify. Lastly, commercial financing for residential properties. Under the commercial option, we can actually look at your residential portfolio as a business and see if we can support the requested loan amount. There is also CMHC insured options for properties that are at five units or above or properties that are adjacent to each other. For example, if you have two fourplexes that are sharing the property line or are next to each other, we can look at that under commercial financing as an eight units apartment building. I would suggest though, using commercial financing as a last resort after exhausting all of your residential options, because under this option, you will encounter higher costs. Your amortization will tend to be shorter than 30 years unless you qualify for the CMHC programs. And options under the commercial umbrella are limited for smaller loan amounts below a million dollars. And here is something that investors don't think about thoroughly. In commercial financing, if we're financing residential properties under these guidelines, the lenders will tend to tag what's called a blanket commercial mortgage on your properties. And what that means is that it's, it's, it's a mortgage that's going to tie your properties at the hip under one mortgage. So this limits your flexibility down the road. So it's something important to consider. These new solutions that I've highlighted for you today are making it possible for investors to continue to scale, consolidate debts, and switch lenders to save on renewals. They're also available for primary residences and rentals. So if you feel that you have hit a wall with financing due to the changing lending environment today, I invite you to explore these options, which can unlock new possibilities for you. Reach out to my team at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Thank you, Dahlia. That was great, great information, guys. Reach out to Streetwise Mortgages. And also, if you want to know what is happening, retreats, resorts, events, live events, webinars, check out sarahlarby.com. You'll have lots of more information there. Sign up for my newsletter so you also get access to see when we're doing some webinars, when we are also doing some live events. We started doing some live events at Hagerty's in Burlington. We also have the Real Estate Investing Academy. We've got a bunch of stuff coming up and happening at the resort at Inspire Beach Resort. Tons of great information. So tune in, join us, join us on online or join us in person or join us at the resort. And May 7th, I'm doing an open house at the resort. So if you guys are interested in coming up, hanging out, checking out the barbecue, um, go to inspirebeachresort.com. And then there is a section there for events and uh, sign up for May 7th. So hopefully we will see you there. Come say hi. Uh, it's open. You know, bring the family if you want and uh, just make sure that you register everybody so we know how much food to bring. But it is going to be awesome. That's in Cobaconk, Ontario, which is in the Quarthas. Uh, I'm excited about it. So on that note, guys, enjoy today's podcast. Paul Cupcut, welcome to the show. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, it's been a while. I, I think I'm, I'm trying to remember when I was last on the show, but it's been a while. 
Yeah, maybe a year, year and a half. So for those of you that don't know, Paul is my branding and marketing manager. I uh, I had a very sporadic podcast that was, you know, actually I was recording back then on the phone. Can you believe that? I was, I was just like, it was horrible, horrible. I mean, you guys remember the first few episodes? And uh, I had no business cards, no website, and uh, and you helped me along the way. I think for what has it been five years now? Five years? Yeah, years? I, I, yeah, I think at least five. And it, it's just been great to see your journey, though. I think that's the other thing is that you are open to making change and and learning and continuing to try things. And I I think that speaks a lot to who you are and what you've been able to achieve over the last five six years. And it's just been great to be a be a small part of that. So. Yeah, and I mean you're a huge part of that because I don't think I would have been as organized, and and <laughs> I, like I think a lot of it was just the consistency of the podcast and creating that email list and like all those things that I had no idea what I didn't know back in the day, and yeah. uh, and you and you helped me and and it's a huge part because I'll tell you you know uh, when you're posting content on social media you don't own that just like the same as a email, email list and. And I found that out when my Instagram got hacked the first time and then the second time, the third time, then you can't really rely on another platform. You've got to build your own, right? Yeah, very, very much so. And I think that's a really good point to, to emphasize with people is, and the, and the best analogy I've heard of this, uh, and I'll attribute this, this is Michael Hyatt, who's a leadership guy down in, in the States. And he likens your website is your home country. And social me- your social media accounts are your embassies. Mm-hmm. So your embassies give, your social media accounts give people a flavor for who you are and your brand and what you do. And then the goal is to drive people back to come and visit your home country. So, and then you're in control. You, you can do what you want on your website. You can try and collect people's emails and then, and then you can get into a whole process of com- continuing to communicate with them, even if social media changes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of sales have come from the email list, right? I would say mm-hmm. that like versus social media um, because we can really capture them. So so before we do get into all of that stuff, um, maybe just give us a little bit of an overview of like what it is that you do and how you help investors. Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you. So uh, so I run a marketing and branding agency now, I guess. When we were first talking, uh, I hadn't, I'll be honest, I hadn't looked at real estate investing as a particular marketplace. And you opened my eyes to that and have, have been great at introducing me to other people. And that's kind of opened up doors elsewhere. Um, so that pretty much all of my work now, all the work that we focus on is with real estate investors or related professionals. So we do everything from yeah, email marketing, websites, uh, helping people with podcasts, um, social media, uh, pretty much anything that you would fall under the the gamut of marketing uh, we help people with. And then obviously the, the other thing is helping people with, with strategy and processes and systems, because I think that's probably where a lot of people fall down is not having those things in place, which is what, you know, how we started talking uh, initially. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I've, I've had many conversations with, with, with Matt, my spouse. I think you briefly talked to him at one point. He's like, I can't really understand what Paul does. I'm like, she basically just does everything. You have an idea, you're like, Paul, I'm going. <laughs> And then you go and you implement it. He's like, like, but like how? I'm like, well, let's just say I want to do a course. I say, Paul, this is the course, or you make suggestions, and then you just basically implement it, and then do this the marketing behind it and the sales strategy behind it. And I think that's like some some people have a hard time understanding. I think sometimes what it is that you do for people, but it's very vast. Like there's a lot of different hats that you wear. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, probably a good description would be 
a fractional marketing manager. So you're probably not in the position, although you, you might be, uh, not in a position to hire a full-time marketing manager, mm -hmm. but you want somebody that has that level of expertise and knowledge and, and is able to deliver those kind of services. So it's having your own fractional marketing department and, and, having, it, and uh, having it on call, but not having to, to have somebody there full-time and, and the expense of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. From like website designing, I don't know if you want to do that many more of, of website <laughs> designs that you've done a couple for me. Um, you know, creating strategies, creating marketing strategies. Um, you know, it's it's been it's been very helpful. So, one of the questions I get asked a lot, especially as we're getting into some weird times right now, um, and I think a lot of my students, for example, have uh, you know figured out that like there's an opportunity to create some. Uh, deals with joint venture partnerships or, um, you know, bring in some private money as an example, but they don't have a presence yet. Um, and sometimes you, you want to have that presence so that people uh, get to know you better. They trust you uh, and they want to work with you. They want to joint venture with you. They want to, you know, provide uh, funds because they, they like and trust you. Um, what are some ways like for somebody just starting out right now in this hard market that say, okay, the next step I really have to do and I really want to grow and scale is I need to bring in private money or I need to bring in JVs. What are some things that they could do from a branding perspective? Yeah, uh, great question. So I think first of all, that people need to keep in mind, I think real estate investors, we all get caught up, actually not just real estate investors. I think we all get caught up with the fact that we need to reach thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people. And it's all about numbers. And, but when you actually boil it down, you know, most real estate investors with a handful of properties, maybe looking to grow to double figures of properties, really don't need that many people that they're going to do end up doing business with or joint venturing with. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not about the quantity. It's probably more about the quality. And I think the first thing that people need to be thinking about is who is it you really want to do business with as a joint venture partner? Because you can't be everything to everybody. And if you try to be that, you're going to dilute your message. You're not going to be clear to anybody and you'll just confuse and, and not attract the right people. So get very clear about who it is you want to do business with. And an easy, an easy way might be to look at people like yourself. You know, if, you, if you're a real estate investor and you came from corporate or you're in a corporate mm -hmm. uh, position now is, well, think of other people like you who might also be interested in real estate for the same reasons. Because then you can speak from experience. So your, your trust and credibility is immediately up there. Mm. And you only need to be one or two steps ahead of whoever you're helping. You yeah. don't need to be, you don't need to be the, you know, 300 door guru because mm -hmm. that, that would probably put a lot of people off anyway. Yeah. Um, so get very clear about who you're trying to reach. Um, and then start to think about in terms of content, you know, what are the things, what are the questions that you have in the back of your mind when you were looking at real estate investing and start to answer those questions for people and put content out there to that effect. And it can be as simple as, you know, if you're wondering how you can use RRSP money to invest in real estate, here's the answer and give people a two, three minute video mm -hmm. and, you know, don't be afraid of video at, I think we almost, I did hear it on um, a podcast just the other day and somebody said, it's no longer a case of if you do video, it's how you do video. So I think we're past the, 
Right. We're past the, you know, it, that's what, how people consume content. And, and the beauty of that with that video is you can then take that content and repurpose it in 17 different ways. So mm -hmm. it, it isn't about having to produce tons and tons of different content either. You could do a three minute video and that could last you for 17 different social media posts and blog posts and website articles and everything else. And now just a quick pause to hear from the midterm rental tip of the week. Aisha, over to you. Welcome to your midterm tip of the week. Today we talk about midterm rental properties and cash flow. When looking at short-term rentals, they are one of the highest cash flow strategies versus other strategies, especially in particular seasons. You also get paid upfront prior to check-in. However, a lot of the success of a short-term rental is determined by recreational need and seasonality, and this can sometimes be restricting in low seasons where you don't make as much. For midterm strategies, the cash flow is better than long-term, but usually not as high as short-term. However, there is less turnover and usually more consistent occupancy, and this can help. You can also decide how you want to receive payment for your midterm rental. It can be upfront or you can be creative. For a long-term rental in comparison, you have very little control over your cash flow, and it's usually the lowest of the strategies. With rising interest rates and rent-controlled units, a lot of the time long-term rent is paid month to month, other than the first and last rental collection. For more information on midterm rental properties, please visit www.midtermrentalproperties.com. Awesome, guys. Reach out to midtermrentalproperties.com for additional information. Back to the show. Mm -hmm. So videos are definitely key. Do you think that they should live on somebody's website? Like, do you think it's important for investors, even if they just have a handful of properties, if they're looking to bring in money, joint venture partners to have a website of some sort they can direct them to? Or like, what do you think? What do you think like the... the basic, I know we mentioned videos on social media, but the basic necessities they want to have to show some credibility. Yeah. I, I mean, you're talking, you know, you're usually talking significant amounts of money that somebody's going to invest with you, mm -hmm. um, you know, tens of thousands. So if you don't have a website, you know, if you, if you were about to do business with somebody and they didn't have a website and you're about to sign something over to them of hundred thousand dollars or something, mm -hmm. you might have a little bit of portion at least. So I think, I think a website is, is kind of, you know, it has to be, it's like a, well, maybe less so a business card, but I, I think a website is kind of a minimum and it doesn't need, again, it doesn't need to be hundreds of pages. It could be a one page website that just covers the main pieces of information that you want to get across to people. Mm -hmm. You know, who, who are you? What do you do? Why do you do it? How do you do it? How can you help people? Simple as that. It doesn't need to be fancy. Uh, it can be done very, you know, very cost effective and, and still look good and have the right sort of feel. Mm -hmm. Somebody says, okay, well, this looks like a legit kind of kickoff. Um, and then, you know, goes back to what we were saying about social media is ensuring that if people are coming to your website, how do you capture their email? How do you get them into your ecosystem that you can start to then communicate to them on a regular basis via email versus posting mm -hmm. things on social media? Yeah, I think that was that is probably like if I have to look at all the stuff that we've done together, that email list creation is probably the best ROI on time, efforts. You know, I'm sure there's some costs that that are involved in that because 
you know, that that is truly like capturing the audience that is interested in what you have to, you know, to share. And I think when I look back at, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, sales for the resort or for, you know, an upcoming class or that kind of stuff like that is is essentially where I want to say like 90 percent of it came from is that email list creation. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I I was interviewing actually um, an email marketing expert uh, from Australia for my podcast. Uh, just last week, and he shared the stat that for every dollar you spend on email, you get back thirty eight dollars. Yeah, no, I can see that. And and then if you think about social media, you know, it's it's fractions of a penny that you might get back for every dollar. Or, yeah, you know, it it, well, it's, it is by ROI by far the best the best investment you can have. Yeah, I remember when we sent out one email for partnering with us and we had like 40 or 50 replies which was amazing and we bought a bunch of properties with and helping other investors along the way as well um and that that's huge and that came from one email (laughs) and then they filled out a form then we started talking you know we got to know some of them so you know that that was super powerful um you know but obviously it it took years uh for for it It to get to where it is today for for me um, but you know, somebody that's, that's starting out, like what, what's the timeline that they can maybe expect for like things to start rolling. And let's just say they do a website, they do some videos, like, you know, right. what, what can we expect as an average? I know it's hard yeah, to say. So in terms of the, the website, so if you're putting content on there and you're optimizing it for Google, <laughs> organically, you've got to be looking at six months to a year that those keywords are going to start appearing higher and higher. And that's only if you're putting out content on a consistent basis. If you just create a website and then put nothing on it, Google naturally assumes that that's not a very exciting website to send people to, so it won't. Mm. So you've got to think about, it goes back to consistency. It goes back, it doesn't need to be, again, it doesn't need to be posting every day, um, you know, just a well-thought-through, well-written article at least once a month would start to help you you know, in terms of credibility, visibility, and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of joint ventures, I mean, and, and again, it goes back to the quality versus quantity. If you can have five quality conversations versus mm-hmm. 500, you know, likes and thumbs up, you know, the, the five quality conversations could lead to one person that ends up joint venturing with. Uh, I, I mean, you'd probably be able to answer better, Sarah, in terms of, you know, how long does it take from somebody initially putting their hand up and saying, yes, I'm interested to mm-hmm. actually signing, signing a joint venture agreement. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think you've got to be looking three to 12 months to build that visibility and credibility. But it, I mean, it could yeah. happen. Somebody just happens. And again, that goes back to the marketing is if you're not doing anything, nothing's going to happen. But if you're doing something, at least on a consistent basis, you're running the risk that somebody's going to bump into you that happens mm-hmm. to be at the right time at the right. And, and that's the other thing with an email list is I, I see it often if, if people are even emailing, and I, I would suggest a lot of real estate investors are not even emailing people, mm-hmm. not, at least not in an in a informative value way. Um, but if you are, uh, you know, I see a lot of people put emails out. They try it, you know, they try it for a month. Oh, nothing's come back. It's not working. I'm going to go do something else. Well, you know, it, that, it just happens to be those people are not ready, but that one time when it lands in their inbox on the right day at the right time, like, as you said, you sent out an email, 
looking mm -hmm. for joint venture partners. You hadn't done it for a while. You put it out, 40, 50 people put their hands up. Mm -hmm. So it, it's about consistency and quality. Mm -hmm, for sure. So, okay. So here's another question. Um, cause I, I think, you know, I think because the podcast, it, it put me on a platform where, you know, you get recognized and sometimes people want to be that authority in the, you know, their industry, their strategy. Um, you know, what are some good things that they can do? Maybe it's not for joint ventures or finding money, but just to be able to, you know, set themselves apart and create a brand for themselves. Um, and I know you're big about brands, you know, what, what are some, some things that somebody could do to really create their brand and their identity in, you know, this, this industry, or it could be different industries, but just let's say real estate investing. Yeah. What, and it goes back to what do you want to be known for? Uh, and, and again, don't try to be something to everybody or everything to everybody, because again, it's just going to dilute your message and, and people won't know what you stand for. So, you know, is it, you know, is it a target market that you want to work for you know, or work with? Is it a particular location that you want to focus on? You know, a lot of real estate investors focus very locally and, and they say, you know, I'm going to be the real estate investor for Hamilton or for the Golden Horseshoe or whatever it happens to be. Um, so, or it could be a strategy like you did originally for the Burr. You were known mm -hmm. for the Burr and mm -hmm. that enabled you to then pivot and change when you were ready to do it, but that served you very well for quite a few years. Yeah. And, so and you know what, and, and that's still a strategy I still love, <laughs> Right. Just, you know, you just got to it now convert into many more units, but, uh, right. but yeah, no, absolutely. And then at some point you, you're right. You have to pivot with the market. Yeah. So, so what, you know, what is it, what strategy or what do you want to be known for that you can start to then put out quality? And again, it goes back to quality content. Mm -mm. It isn't about, it isn't about pitching people because you'll, you'll rarely get somebody signing over a hundred thousand dollars on a first email or something or a first social media post or something. Yeah. But if you're consistently there in front of them and they finally say, okay, yeah, okay. I'm ready for, to do a multifamily investment. Now, who is the person I should go to for multifamily mm -hmm. or who should I go to for midterm rental? You know, that's what we're doing with you right now is, is looking at. How do we position midterm rental properties as a go-to authority on the subject? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, because that's, that's a hot topic right now. So why not? Yeah, no, it is a hot topic because we all want more control and we all want more cash flow and we want to, you know, create our own rules and regulations and right. <laughs> as much as possible. Um, so you're, you know, you're obviously working with a lot of investors, um, and you've been working with investors, you know, probably some of them for, for a few years, uh, and it, you know, the economy is changing, the economy is shifting. Are you suggesting, you know, that they stick to what they're currently known for? They pivot, like what, what, what are you seeing in the market and what are you suggesting that they do if they're like struggling with maybe some of their, you know, their initial branding or a strategy? Yeah, I, th I think. I think you've hit it on nail on the head with that second the strategy because there are certain strategies right now that are just not viable. Um, flipping, for example, is right fraught with challenges right now, or it certainly was during COVID. Um, you know, wholesaling and, and, and pre-construction too. Like pre-construction used to be super big. I mean, you said wholesaling, but yeah, there's there's some things that just you know in 2023 are going to be a little bit harder to do well with, and probably a little bit more risky for for the you know market cycle that we're in right so some so somebody that's in that situation yeah um you know it, it, think about the if 
if everybody listening thinks about the people that they follow on social media and why they follow, I will almost guarantee you that a number of those people you're following are you're following them because you're following their journey. You're interested in what they're doing next, how they're learning, what they're learning, what they're sharing about those learnings. So you could do exactly the same. If, you're, if you've focused for the last three years on flipping and now it's just not the market you want or need to be in or, ca or can be in, well, okay, start to document that. Um, start to say, okay, this is, hey, it's, it's Bob here and I've been flipping properties for the last three years, but you know what, with the current market, flipping is not the way to go. So I'm going to go and have a look at rent to own, or I'm going to go and explore Burr. Well, then reach out to some Burr experts or some rent to own experts and say, would you mind sharing some of your tips, ideas? It could be a video. You could write an article. So you could, you could reach out to the five high profile Burr people and say, what's your number one tip that you would give if you were going to start going into Burrs? And I, I find, you know, the thing that I enjoy a lot about the real estate investing market generally and, and the people within it is most people are willing to give a little bit of time to help you. They're, mm -hmm. they're more than willing to answer a question or point you in the right direction or recommend a resource. And I don't see that in every industry. But I, I think you'll find if you are a, a real estate investor and you're, you're about to pivot and you're wondering how am I going to communicate that, that just reaching out to a few experts and then pulling together you know, the top 10 Burr experts' recommendations about how to get started in Burrs, or, mm -hmm. and that becomes an article. Then that becomes 10 separate videos. That becomes 10 social media posts. Mm -hmm. and, then you, and then you've got, you've got content. And then people are starting to follow your journey. Right. I mean, you know, think of somebody, somebody as famous as Gary Vaynerchuk. I mean, the way he's pivoted and changed over the years from being kind of a, a spotty kid on a video, terrible videos on YouTube, you know, doing wine tasting literally on video to now he has full-time videographers following him around curating and recording mm. everything he does. And it's all turned into content. You don't need that, but. It, it doesn't take much. You've, everybody has a phone in their pocket. You have a video camera. So, so mm -hmm. it's and, and people will be interested in the story. And, and those that are interested will follow you. And those that aren't, won't. And that's fine. That's... Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I also know that there's people that will sometimes come to me and be like, I, I don't feel comfortable being on camera. You know, I want to be behind the scenes. But, but, you know, I would say then think outside the box a little bit and like, try to find a way to become an authority in your market. So here's an example. I have a student of mine uh, in my REI Academy class, a uh, young guy just getting started. Um, and I challenged him to set up a meetup or, you know, an investor get together because he's in Sudbury and he's like, there's not a ton of stuff in Sudbury. There's not a lot of like events where I can meet other like-minded people. And that's kind of what he's looking for. I'm like, perfect. You go create it. Here's your challenge. Go book book here, reach out to this person, invite people, and you know, he and he's doing it, which is amazing. But right. but sometimes by doing that, and, and I think he's creating some cool videos too, um, about mindset and just like growth and all that kind of stuff, which is great. That sometimes that's how, you know, people want to be around other positive people. But I think by creating these events and and you know, creating the opportunity for people to get together, that could help him become that authority in that area. Um, for being able to have a great team and connect and, and you know, know 
who's who in, let's just say, Sudbury, if you want to do a burr or a conversion or, you know, any of that stuff. So sometimes it could be as simple as that, too, is just don't be the follower, be a leader and, and start some. Great, great example. That is, that is a perfect example. And yeah, he's going to position not just himself as the expert locally because he's running a local event. But there are a lot of investors down down here in southern Ontario that are looking for markets to invest in. And Sudbury is a great market to invest in because mm-hmm. you can still find good value properties there. Yeah. And he'd be, the, he'd be potentially that because if you if he ends up running a meetup and then puts out some content around and keywords it f- with Sudbury and real estate investing. If I start to Google, I'm thinking of investing in real estate investing in Sudbury, chances are his content's going to come up and then. And then he's going to get people inquiring directly to him because he's the go-to person locally. Right. And if they're not local and he's local, well, maybe they'll right. indirectly invest with him because they're like, oh, you're the one that's like, you know, doing all these events and groups. And I see, you know, that you've got lots of like, you know, great speakers. I think by association and by being that leader, he's, you know, he's going to be able to get some, some traction that way, um, which I think is great. I know every, not everybody wants to do a podcast. I'll tell you the podcast. The podcast route is long, 100% of it's worth it. But I, I'm, I'm just curious now because I know you're helping some people with podcasts, but is it a lot harder now? Just Is it more saturated now than it used to be or is there still opportunity? Yeah, I think when we were working on your podcast and at the same time I was helping two other people with their podcast, we got all three of you into new and noteworthy at the same time. That's, that's three real estate investing podcasts in new and noteworthy on Apple. And now you, you are really struggling to get into any kind of chart. On... Okay. So it's a lot harder now. A lot harder because there's a lot of people starting podcasts. But, but the interesting stat is once you're beyond seven episodes, you're in the top 10% of all podcasts. It's crazy. Because most people give up by seven episodes. So, so it is, you're right. It's a long game. Um, and, and you know, you know, I'll be honest. I've been doing my podcast for two years now. And and when I went away over the Christmas New Year, I was thinking, oh, is it really, you know, every week and I've got to produce content. And so I took, I was off four weeks and I just did four repeats of old, four most popular podcasts so far, episodes. And I came back and my numbers have doubled. (laughs) I thought I should go away, I should go away more often. But, um, but it's interesting now that has provided a momentum and, and now the numbers are going up each week. How many are you at right now? In terms of downloads or episodes? No, no. In terms of how many episodes you've done? Uh, 104th comes out on Wednesday. Okay. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Experience Inspire Beach Resorts. It is the resort that we have been building and it is ready. So if you are looking to host events, team building opportunities, retreats of your own, and just even potentially hang out with your friends or family or colleagues. You can rent out a cabin. You can rent out the entire resort. Inspire Beach Resort, it is an adults only. It is Canada's only themed resort specifically for adults. And the themes are really nice. They're really upscale. Like you have like the beach theme. You've got a rustic lodge theme and a vintage Hollywood. And we are adding more every year. But there is uh, an awesome space that is on the water to host your retreats, your events, your business meetings, planning meetings, all of that good stuff. So check that out, inspirebeachresorts.com. Now back to the show. 
so for me, so for me back then, I, I found that I was probably at the 70, 80th podcast that like things started to, it takes a long time that things started to get rolling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd agree. And even more so, even more so now, but again, if you're specialized and that would, that would be the thing. Hmm. Um, I think now it wouldn't be, you know, investing in Canada, you know, because you know, there's enough good podcasts already up there like yours. So it needs to be more niched. It could be, and again, it could be really local and, mm -hmm. and you could make money on that because if you've got a very targeted podcast with a very targeted audience, <clears throat> you can get sponsorship. People will pay yeah. and, and it'll be way more than the hosted rate of, you know, pennies per click. No, I never went that route and I'm glad I didn't because yeah. there's also like, because if you are, specific to an area you can really reach out to your team and finding sponsors that are part of your team already knowing like and i'll tell you like dahlia for example like like she gets like i don't know 30 40 leads a week or i don't know sorry a month from the podcast you know she's been doing she's been doing it for a while with me but yeah i wouldn't necessarily go to like a random abc company and get them to sponsor it still needs to be I think anyways, if you're going to reach out to sponsors, like make it relevant to what it is that you're doing. Otherwise, and, and, if, you, and mm -hmm. if you don't have sponsors, put yourself in as the sponsor. Yeah. Brought to you by, and, you know, and put a little ad in for, you know, I'm looking for joint ventures or I'm looking mm -hmm. for X. So. Yeah. Well, that's a great idea. And I started doing that with the resort because I'm like, I, I want to get some of this resort stuff going and just like, but, um, yeah, no, it's. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying you're going to be rich from doing a podcast. You definitely won't. You can definitely cover the cost of, you know, getting the podcast edited and everything like that. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to like make you retire from your job. That's, that's for sure. But can you make but a little I, bit of income from it? Yeah, maybe. I think, I think for some people though, it's, it's the new book, isn't it? You know, before it used to be, you had mm. to have a book mm. and now it's, you can have a podcast or a book or a YouTube channel or. So there's different mediums and you know, pick the one that you're going to feel most comfortable doing. So yeah, maybe if video is not your go-to medium, then maybe, you know, podcast might be, and you can still create videos from a podcast, even if your face isn't on it. So mm -hmm. yeah, no, that's a good point. I remember when we started writing a book, do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> I still have, all, I still have it. I still have all of it. Uh, and then, and then we used to meet at... A coffee shop. I can't remember which one on Brand. I don't think it's there anymore. Artis artisan, artisanos. I don't know. Yes, artisanos. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then when it was done, I'm like, I don't like the. Not. It was a great book. It was a great book. But I think I've evolved so much since then. And I'm like, the content. I would just. I don't know. It was just like it's not me now. And that's and that's the tough part with a book. Maybe one day. But I, I want to say like I'd have to write it still very fast because I think it took us a year. That's again through, and then by then, then I was just in a different, different stage, right, of of everything. So, but I, I do agree. You know, I think a book is still a, a great opportunity. A podcast is a great opportunity. Um, what are you seeing on on YouTube for videos? Like, are you seeing that people are getting the same traction, or is that getting saturated as well? Ed, shorts is definitely what's giving people views at the moment. So, what um, are short? What are shorts? So shorts is one minute or less, or actually it should be 59 seconds. Okay. Uh, so it really is snippet type of content. Um, needs to have very catchy titles. It's amazing what a different title will do to the views of a video. 
Um, the, the nice thing with YouTube, I, I mean, the good thing with YouTube and with all the platforms nowadays is you can get incredible data back as to how many people are watching, how long they watch, what the average view time was, you know. So you, you know what's working and what isn't very kind of quickly. Um, but yeah, shorts and reels on Instagram, um, less, I don't know, Facebook just doesn't seem to have got video traction the same way. LinkedIn is very kind of hit and miss mm -hmm. with, with video, but I think yeah, Instagram reels, YouTube shorts, uh, or if you're putting the longer videos on, on YouTube, then, you know, your thumbnail needs to be kind of really stand out, um, mm -hmm. for people to even stop, you know, it. It's all back to, because we're all pulling out this and going like this, it's the whole goal is to stop the scroll. So you've, you've got to think about what is it that's going to stop somebody just going right past you yeah. and stopping enough that they're going to go, oh, that's interesting. And then does what they've just seen, is it interesting enough for them to then touch on it, to, to watch it or, or whatever? I mean, the good thing with shorts is if they stop, the video plays so you don't have to worry about that so you know it is it is funny because i think with the pandemic it made people's attention span even less than it used to be like i know for me i have less of an attention span even now and i used to like you know i don't know maybe i have add now but like i, I used to be able to focus on stuff but now I, I get it and i think maybe that goes back to the podcast is like when you're listening to podcasts you're probably in your car you're doing something that you know, it's probably one of the very few mediums that people aren't just scrolling through and they're actually listening for, you know, a good amount of time. So that's, I think that's why I like the podcast. Um, but, you know. And, it, and it's also very personal because it's right mm -hmm. between, you're right between somebody's ears. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And you're right, they're, they're doing something else at the same time. You're either doing the housework or you're driving or you're doing something. But people are, yeah, people are consuming. So podcasts do seem to last longer in terms of, attention spans and yeah, video. I mean, even I, I mean, I, I rarely watch videos, but I think I can almost time myself to like two and a half, three minutes. That's it. Um, yeah. If it hasn't grabbed me by that, I'm gone. You know? No, it's, it's tough for sure. I mean, and I, and I know, I know we're not the only ones. I think it's, it's everywhere. So what are yeah. some things that like, like catchy titles or something to have like in the first few seconds to, that you found may help people? Just yeah, I mean, the yeah, the titles either need to be something that's, I don't want to say controversial, but it, you know, it's, it's the ones like, wow, I can't believe he did this or, you know, look at, you know, look at, uh, there was one, uh, client did just recently. Oh yeah. Uh, it was a backyard with a lot of opportunity for additional dwelling units. So, you know, wow, can't you know, look at this backyard. Mm. Well, I suddenly got 10 times the number of views on the video just because of that. Hmm. And it, and all it was was a scan of a backyard and saying, well, this is a great, great backyard, but it stopped people enough that they watched the video. Interesting. Um, the other one is list listicles. I mean, anything that says three tips for this, three hmm. acts for that, five, you know, all those always seem to work. And again, if saying to people, if you look at what you watch and what makes you stop and click, the chances are it's, you know, listicles is a big one because it's, you know, the five things you didn't know about Kevin Bacon or, you know, yeah. And people the stop and list look. Of things. Yeah. I mean, and that's sometimes I think you, you mentioned to do, and I think we have some stuff or, or we had some stuff on my website, right? Like certain things that like list of like seven tips for something or the fundamental checklist with like, 
I don't know, whatever. I just remember having like certain number of, you know, things and then they downloaded it. And then we got lots of emails from that. But I do agree with you, like, you know, listing things. I, I know you like the number seven. <laughs> yeah. Seven, seven seems to be a popular one. Three, five. I, yeah, some, I, I think I can't remember somebody said there was research once. Of odd oh, numbers yeah. work better than even numbers. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So what about when somebody uh, is doing a flip, a burr, a project, going and buying properties? Like, should they be taking pictures, recording themselves? for future potential content? Like, what do you think somebody should start doing as they get into the market, as they start making some deals uh, in terms of documentation? What could they use that for? Yeah, befores and afters are always popular. Uh, the ones I like that I seem seem to see are working quite well at the moment is where the, you've got the before and then the after is almost comes in as part of the, the picture. So you, it's almost like transforms. And there's so many th great things you can do with video editing and not that I'm an expert in that, but I know people that are, but seeing that kind of transformation, uh, kind of seems to grab people, grab people. Well, I, the other one that, you know, I, I've seen less of recently, but I think people are still really interested is if you, if you want to get into details is breaking down the numbers. Um, I, I know that's always a popular thing at live events when people are doing presentations, you know, breaking down a project by by the numbers. So keeping, obviously keeping track of that, you should be anyway, but if you're prepared to share those kind of numbers, then, uh, people really do like that kind of content. Um, so those, those would be two, I, I would certainly say, yeah. And, and you should be, you should be logging the process that, you know, that can all be part of the content that you're putting out on a regular basis. Hey, right. I'm back at my, I'm back at my renovation and oh my gosh, I can't believe And, and you know, there's, there's a title. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened at my renovation. And it, yeah, if you're a real estate investor, you're going to click and look to that's that's true, We've and and also hundred percent, and and probably too. Like, what do you think about putting some stuff like like not just the pretty stuff, but like the oh crap, this is happening, yeah. you know? I, 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 think, I think that would get even more views than something that you know. Oh, here was the perfect renovation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here was the renovation, but these were the three mistakes I made. And I'm, yeah, three mistakes I made on my renovation, and I'm never going to make them again. There, there's a title. Sounds long, but it's mm -hmm. probably enough that it's going to stop people and go, well, I wonder what those three mistakes were because I don't want to make. Yeah, right. Exactly. So what, what is like two key takeaways from today's podcast that, you know, either an investor that's already currently investing and, in, in, you know, or potentially someone that's starting to, to get into the game? Uh, what are some key takeaways that you want them to leave today with? Consistency and email. If, and email. If you do those two things, consistent content, collect the emails, keep in touch with people on a regular basis. Don't assume that they are not interested because they're not clicking on it or they're not reading it. Just you just got to keep sending it to them. And at some point, they're either going to unsubscribe, which is fine because that means your marketing's working, or they're going to click on it or raise their hand and say, yes, okay, I'm ready. I'm interested. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm consistency and email. Awesome. Paul, where can my listeners reach out and find out more? Yep. Thank you. Uh, so pretty easy. Paul Copcut, C-O-P-C-U-T-T.com. So paulcopcut.com. And you're also, sorry, go ahead. And I was going to say, you can access the, the podcast from there and, and anything else that you want to. I was going to ask you about the podcast. What's it called? Personally Brandtastic. Awesome. And what do you cover in your podcast? So uh, branding and marketing. So there are interviews uh, similar to this. So I tend to invite 
marketing people, branding people, um, digital marketing people, and and we talk about what they do and and some tips. And there's there's usually some great. I mean, I'm making notes as I'm interviewing these people, so it's uh, lots of great content. So can I ask, like, what's like one key thing that you learned from interviewing them that you're like, this is key that you can share on this podcast? Yeah, uh, probably the one one of them that made the biggest impact last year was a guy that told me about the Google Knowledge Panel. So if you do, and so here's a tip for everybody, go put in your name into Google and see what comes up. And on the left-hand side will be the web pages that have your name or a combination or somebody else's name, but it's you. Well, it's not you, but it's, it's still your name. Uh, so that's one thing. And ideally what you want to see on there are links on page one through to your content, whether that's your website, your LinkedIn profile, Facebook account, whatever it is. So ideally you want to own page one organically. Um, and a couple of reasons for that is most people don't scroll past page one for search. They just end up putting in another search. So if they don't find what they're looking for, so hopefully you'll come up for that. But then on the right-hand side is what Google says is true to, for want mm -hmm. of a better description. So this is where Google has gone all over the internet and said, where are the pages, videos, podcasts, anything about Sarah Larby that we know has been referenced by other people who are also reputable and we, we put mm -hmm. it into that knowledge panel. So that is like golden. So if you have one of those, it's golden, but what most people don't know is you can own that. So it gives you the opportunity to say, are you this person? Mm. And you can say yes. And then you have to go through a couple of steps to verify it, but then you can start to control what gets in there oh, just cool. by, by doing things in the back end of Google and SEO and keyword. Nice. So you can start to prioritize more videos or you want to prioritize something that you're promoting or pushing. You can that's, that's work great. at it and get it appearing. Do you know what my next question is going to be? How are we going to do that for you? Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Great. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it for sure. All right, all right. How, how busy have I made you this month? Are you about right? Like, you're lucky I turned up. I was so busy, I almost missed it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh man, but uh, yeah, no. Honestly, thank you for all you're doing. So just for, for you guys to, to, I guess, hear the background is because of the launch of Inspire Beach Resort, which Paul has also. Um, been spearheading with me as as the marketing and branding person, and also our midterm rental company and my stuff. Uh, and I think you're you're taking on a few uh, of my uh, colleagues' stuff as well. So um, you just got really, really, really busy. Um, yeah. And every day, Paul hears from me about the resort. He's probably like, "Why?" <laughs> I used to not hear from Zira for like two weeks because <laughs> it's true, right? Like you know, especially yeah. in the summer. In the summer, you probably don't. You probably don't hear from me for a while, but. Uh, yeah, now that we're launching this, uh, this awesome resort, uh, Paul is, uh, probably doing double time, <laughs> triple time. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but that's not to say that you, you can't take on, uh, more people. And, uh, and so guys, if, if you are interested in like working on your branding, on your marketing, on your messaging, on your email list, cause that's huge, uh, reach out to Paul, check out his podcast as well. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Sarah. Great chatting with you. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.